G'day punters, welcome to what is the first of what we're calling the Sunday service. And I've got no idea if this will be the first and last edition, but I'm more than happy to find out because we've got a big meeting at Hobart on Sunday. We're previewing this meeting before a lot of the markets are coming out. So we get the purest form available to us. And it's a big welcome and thank you to Jack Higgins, the Maps of Tassie man himself for the mailbag, who's going to run through this card. Here you go. What is Hobart? Please explain it to me like I'm a small child or a cocker spaniel. Where do I start with if I'm betting? Well, yeah, I guess I'm not Tasmanian uh, bred, um, but I think it's a really good place to to bet into uh, in Tasmania. Smaller pool of horses, only a couple of handy trainers, a couple of good pilots. So um, it's a it's quite a good place to start out if you if you're keen on sort of following a few patterns and that sort of thing in betting and. Um, they only run once or twice a week, so uh, I call it the Hong Kong of the South. Um, but yeah, the, the quality of animals slightly different. But um, yeah, so Hobart, Elwick Stakes Day. Um, so a couple of different features on the card, um, highlighted by the two-year-old race, which has um, produced Bellow Bow and Turk Warrior in the last couple of seasons. So um, it is the number one race for the the juveniles and generally the winner will go on and sort of race in Victoria and um, try and find some black type or a, sort of a group three level uh, in the end. So hopefully we can find the winner of that and uh, follow it along further down the track. Okay, sounds good. Now there is a bit of rain around Hobart at the moment. Rail is 10 metres. What are we expecting on the day? Um, I think that the track's in, in the good range at the moment, but... Um, I'd be very surprised if we were worse than a soft five. The track has been unbelievable. Um, it got redone. I think it was within the last sort of 18 months and it's just playing really, really good and, and handles the weather. But I think provided we don't get too much rain on the day, I'd be very surprised if it got out of the good range. And if, if so, it would be in that sort of soft to dead five range where it'll race pretty good, um, regardless, um, yeah. And yeah, rail at 10 metres is a little bit quirky for a feature day, um, but just with a couple of other feature meetings coming up, I can see why it sort of sits in this position. But um, generally at Hobart, the rail's not the place to be. Generally, they race sort of like one or two off the fence, um, especially coming into the straight. It's a big track, so even with the rail going out, should be able to make ground. But I mean, the way I sort of tackle Tasmanian racing is I'll focus on um, horses that settle in the front half of the field because generally the with the quality of horse as well they won't be able to to catch up from further back in the field and just the way that the tracks are made um, there it's sort of over time you just get stuck uh, backing back markers yep. um, in this jurisdiction so happy to sort of play on the side of it'll suit on pace runners and um, if not just we'll have to adapt on the day but uh, it's generally a good place to be. All right, sounds good to me. We'll start with race four, which is the feature, the Elwick Stakes listed race, 1,100 metres to two-year-olds. We actually have a market here, so $3.10, best available for Thoris of Myrrh and Cairns, the equal favourites. Thespian Waters is three ninety. did open up a fair bit longer on the green. And then you've got Need Sugar, $7, and Counter Sphere at 10 Now, most of these have either first starters or had a max of two runs coming into this race. So there's a bit of trial form to pick through as well as the race brigade, which are the top two in the market in Cairns and Thoris Murr. But uh, what are you thinking here? 
Yeah, so I guess from the early market standpoint, I can understand why Thoris and Meyer and, and Cairns have opened up shorter. They both tackled um, each other in their debut runs with Cairns getting the upper hand. Um, we were actually on Thoris and Meyer on debut uh, for the service in that run. It was, I think, $3 into, oh, it was an obnoxious price, like $1.60 <laughs> speed. Um, and then it's SP'd again, dollar forty uh, for Thoris and Mer. So pretty typical for the Trinder stable to have the number one seed going into this sort of race. Um, Brendan McCall sticks, who's the best jockey in Tasmania. So can understand why it's uh, it's opened up quite short. But in terms of the figures that he's uh, run so far, I'm not overly impressed uh, going into the feature race. Yep. Um, and also, he's just done a few things uh, wrong in the run. He balked uh, with 50 metres to go in the in his last start, which almost cost him the race um, and gave me a heart attack in the process. <laughs> so, um, and then famously in his debut, ran off the track um, when sitting outside leader and ended up on the outside fence. So pretty keen to be against him, to be honest, at the price. So did a little bit of digging and, and obviously Cairns is in the market as well who had his measure and uh, coming from the Barry Campbell stable, who's an absolute freak with juveniles and uh, the star thoroughbreds colours, which most of you will know from Uncle Chris. Um, Pretty handy operator. I actually had that runner close to favourite, but um, just off the debut run, time was decent. Um, Did It It was just a professional um, outing, Darman and Sticks, which is a positive. but this, yeah, that filly was was super professional, found the bunny and just railed like a greyhound and put them away um, in pretty good style. So was pretty keen to keep her safe. Um, but the one that I am really interested in is the runner for Siggy Carr. Uh, this colt uh, by Headwater has had a trial at Longford uh, not too long ago and I think uh, you'd have to be blind to not have seen the style that um, this runner sort of put them away. Uh, I think the official margin was seven lengths, but um, he did it in first gear. And um, it was really pleasing to see a colt do it so professionally as well, because often they can be a bit of a handful. Um, Obviously trial form is one thing and taking it to race day is another, but draws inside here. Siggy goes straight on. Obviously she trains the horse as well, but she's probably the best front running runner um, rider, should I say, in Tasmania, um, and just a really good judge of pace. So I think a lot has sort of gone right here for the debut run, and um, I guess leading into it, I was sort of against what I'd seen so far from the two-year-olds. Um, yeah. So finding something that's trialed well, drawn inside, good jock on, likely leader as well, just absolutely gassed him um, from start to finish in the trial. I think if she can lead and um, not get pestered too much from uh, a runner like Cairns, who's just drawn the gate next door, um, I think she, uh, the Colt should be uh, leading and winning. Okay. Now, we did have a question regarding Siggy Carr in terms of training um, and riding versus riding for other trainers. What did you find stats-wise? Yeah, look, like she's obviously the stalwart for for Tasmania. Um, I guess she probably put them on the map when she teams up with the inevitable early on in his career. Um, But, yeah, when I went diving into punting form, 
um, when she's writing for herself, um, cause obviously she's a dual license, um, operator out of Brighton. Um, she goes at about 12% win strike rate, um, yeah. and sort of around the break even mark for profit on turnover. So she's slightly down and that's probably of more recent times. Um, and that's probably due to the fact that she hasn't had many, uh, good horses come through her stable recently. Um, and that have been able to string together some wins, um, she gets a, a lot of ex-Victorian horses come through. Rocky Arrow is one that comes to mind that's gone okay. That was a former gay waterhouse horse. Um, but, yeah, I think ultimately you know what you're going to get with Siggy. She she definitely is one that will put her best foot forward. And I think without sort of pumping her up too much, she's very similar in terms of um, – getting them out of the gates to Jamie Carr and Victoria. You just think that you can map her horses that little bit further forward. Yep. Um, then maybe if they had say Anthony Darmanin on them or, or even Brendan McCool, um, who's there two of the better riders in Tasmania as well. And she just has a way of getting them to relax up on speed. Um, I wouldn't say she's the most um, strong rider um, from back in the field, but I just think she's a really good judge of pace. And when I find her on, on one that's either going to lead or sit outside leader or leaders back. I'm pretty keen to have an auto bet really. Um, and then I guess that's sort of very similar to what she's done for all trainers as well. She sits at 14% win strike rate for the last two years at around negative 8% profit on turnover. So um, yeah, she's pretty much the most consistent rider, uh, particularly on those that sit in the first half of the field. Um, but I guess one thing to note is her riding has probably taken a back seat in the last sort of year with her stable getting bigger and bigger. Um, she doesn't have too many in work. I wouldn't know the exact number, but she's always got sort of half a dozen runners going to the races. And um, it is important to note that the, I guess the, the population in Tasmania is quite condensed um, where a lot of runners can find the same races and uh, she's actually not allowed to ride in races that she has two or more runners. So um, that's probably altering a little bit of the data there. But um, ultimately, I think when you're, you know, betting into Tasmania and and even if you're just having a social bet, if you can find Siggy Carr from an inside draw on something that's going to be up on speed, I think you're going to get a good run for your money most times. Okay, excellent. So that's the Elwood Stakes to start things off. Race five on the card is the GG's horse stud back, Black Flash, Black Flash, uh, open race, three-year-olds, 1,100 metres, and we do have a market finally, um, the green one that's not the big green one, the other green one, has got Fear the Stinger as favourite, $2 from Sistine, $4, GG Jet Buy, six fifty. Tricky Mickey, 9 Fake Magic, 11 upwards for the rest. Did you have any thoughts here in race five? Yeah, I'm very uh, interested by the prices that have gone up. So um, it's a it's a tricky little race. Uh, GG Jet buys. I guess we can start from the top. Uh, is a three year old that sort of had some pretty good form around those like Bellow Bow and and Fairy Magic that are probably the better uh, two year olds and three year olds that have gone around Tasmania in the last couple of seasons. So um, I think. That's a good starting point, uh, um, but ultimately, um, I think 
he's just below what what his best is and hasn't really come on since being a two-year-old. So I think that I've around that um, there's, there's plenty of betting opportunities. Um, yeah. I think one that I had sort of earmarked from last couple of starts was a runner called Bold Instinct who comes here from Team Wells. Um, and Brendan McCall jumps straight on, who's possibly the, yeah, the best jockey in Tasmania goes at, 22% career strike rate, like just an unbelievable operator for someone who rides 57 kilos and above. Um, very, very good. Often found by the market, but in this case hasn't been. Um, yeah. Had a really good tick over trial um, in front of Miss Tuppence, who's who's no slouch. And um, the stable had put on a couple of apprentices uh, previously um, and drawn outside, they'd sort of got stuck four or five wide the trip and just the horse hasn't been able to finish off really. Um, and I just thought here from an inside draw could get the perfect run off a couple of failures, which hopefully meant we get a price, which yep. that that's the case. Um, and I am pretty keen to be with it each way at the current price. It's gone up around the $16 mark. So I assume once the corporate sort of all go up, it'll be around the 10, $10 and above mark. And I think that's a cracking bet. Um, with sort of fake magic, tricky Mickey, Sistine, Fear the Sting all looking to go forward. Um, Fear the Sting's the likely favourite and I think has gone up up so I can't get it that short. Um, David Pires on Scott Brunton, home track, pretty good juvenile. I think the shades are going on for the first time as well. Um, so I can understand why it's come up short, but I just think there's enough pressure in this race that – um, that filly can sort of become uh, undone up on speed, and and I'm looking for something that's sort of going to get a nice soft suck run underneath. And uh, Bold Instinct hit that for me, and um, I think that's the one that I sort of want to have up my sleeve at the price. Um, another one at a price that I'd be inclined to back as well is Viburnum. I don't know if how you'd say that, but yep, um, is actually first up from Godolphin. Um, so obviously they've purchased this horse um, from James Cummings and that can be a good or a bad thing. That could mean that the horse isn't totally gone and Godolphin don't need it on it on its books. But um, I thought bringing Flemington benchmark 64 form to, to this sort of race was probably worth having on site at that price and uh, gets the blinkers first time and, and a few other gear changes as well. Um, probably just worth having on side and at the price I'm I'm keen to back those two to beat the ones that are shorter in the market at this point. Yeah, it's interesting that the Burnham basically SP single figures all of last prep. So third at Kembla Grange, first up, one second at Kembla, uh, in the second start it won. Um third start at Flemington. You mentioned the benchmark 64 there at Flemington, uh, finished down the track, but still SP $10 and then Bendigo $4.80 and was supported on the day, ran 11th of 12. So uh, obviously there was a bit of market confidence around all wet tracks last prep as well. So um, I don't know, might, might find something to its liking in different surrounds, but uh, don't mind that. So a couple of odds there in Race five, race six is the thousand guineas over the mile uh, for the three-year-old fillies in terms of the market. And again, just going off the one corp so far, Jaguar Stone's favourite at $2.20 from Pink. 
with three eyes, pink beauty at $5. So he's flying to Paris. Uh, Justin Needs is also $5 and Cloudy Nights is $6.50. The other three are completely unwanted. Anything here for yourself, Higo? Yeah, off those prices, very keen to play here. Um, I think Pink Beauty uh, leads here and was really good last start in Phillies and Mayors grade. Um, led from start to finish, we're on for the service, which was always nice. Um, but um, so I think she leads with flying to Paris on its back. Uh, we were on last start. It was smacked in bedding and unfortunately didn't get the chocolates. Gets a negative jockey switch here. So um, for a horse that's gone forward, she now gets Daniel Ganderton on, who's a very negative uh, style rider. He's very good on horses that are settling further back in the field and and coming home. Um, obviously, an ex, I think he was Gay Waterhouse's apprentice at one yep. point in New South Wales. Um, and has since come home. So I think that runner will settle a little bit further back than maybe what she has previously. And then um, I guess Justin Needs is probably the other horse that's going to roll forward with um, the rest of them, including the favourite, probably settling near last um, from gate six. I just think with the speed drawn inside, um, Troy Baker, I think his riding will have to go back. Otherwise, uh, he'll risk sit, sitting three wide on speed, which is probably not what you want to do when this is the grand final for that horse. So um, in saying that, I think Justin Needs uh, and Cloudy Knights were the two runners I landed on. I actually had Justin Needs near favourite, if not favourite, comes out of Maiden Company, but actually had a few runs um, in open class for the three-year-olds um, previously and ran on really well from really unsuitable draws. I think it drew 11 and nine um, with Blint riding and now gets Brendan McCool on. So another super jockey switch, which is, I guess, the, the really important thing here in, in Tasmania is really honing into those three or four riders. Um, again, the Hong Kong of the South, very similar mm-hmm. sort of tactic revolving around the key riders they do get the good rides and they generally improve them um Imogen Miller's actually his partner so uh he jumps straight on so I I suggest he'd have number one seed there anyway otherwise it'd be a awkward <laughs> conversation at the dinner table but um look was couldn't have done much more 1400 in yes it was made in grade but um won really nicely I think it, uh I think she ran one by uh three lengths so um, ease down towards the end, really good overall figure for the class. Um, I think if she can find a good spot, I think she likely sits outside Pink Beauty um, from the draw. Uh, if she can find letters back, I'm not sort of heavily against that, but I just think $5 is a cracking price, and um, particularly for that jockey switch. I think if she's going to make the leap, she's going to get Matt Favors here over a couple of, her rivals that are shorter in the market and um, Pink Beauty, I'm sort of suspect over 1,400 getting to the mile. I just don't – I would have liked to seen her finish off a little bit better than last start. She had sort of one of those runs that she more or less fell in towards the end um, off a slow tempo. So, yeah, keen to be with Justin Eads that's going to sit outside later. And I thought the one that – could come from back in the field along with the favorite is probably cloudy nights. Um, I think she probably sits around midfield from gate five, um, probably two pairs off the fence. And um, look, she's 
the only runner in the field, I believe, that's had uh, a run at the at the mile um, where she won um, by close to a length in class one company. Um, obviously, has to make the jump here to the better horses, but um, she's in her own age group and and she's run the trip at the end of the day, and I think that's a really good spot to be. Siggy Carr jumps on, so that's why I'm sort of anticipating she'll settle a little bit further forward than than dead last. Um, but, yeah, I think th- if we can play those two runners um, and dash them for a result, I think I'll be pretty happy with where I'm at in the run and and hopefully we can get the chocolates. Yeah, it's a it's a huge last start figure from Justin Needs, isn't it? You just have to suspect that although that was a very fast tempo race, um, it's had the three weeks off, which looks really suitable. Um, just that little bit of a freshen up. It's just one of those like red flag or green flag figures, I should say. That's um, that's pretty impressive given the, yeah. the rest of the and even, even when she was beaten in the two open um, class races, like she didn't run bad figures either. Like yep. she had excuses both times and still finished off well and Bellow Bow went just enormous. Um, and in both of those runs as well, she was smacked in betting. So, um, yeah, I just think it's just – that that is like the quintessential um, horse that I look for. Settles first war and run, really good jockey switch, uh, really nice figure last start. I just think it's the improver. And at $5, it just seems madness not to be betting. Yep. Okay. Like it. And then we'll have a look at the Lady Lynette, race seven, 1100 metres, open race for the Phillies and Mares. In terms of the market, $4 for take the sit. Emily is $4.40. Uh, Serene Striker six fifty, Fairy Magic and Queenborough Flyer are both seven dollars fifty each. Dunbrody Power is nine. Double figures for the rest of the field. That's an interesting opening market. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to contain myself here, um, but no, I had take the sit uh, clear favourite in my market, probably closer to the two fifty mark than the four dollars. So yep. pretty keen to play there. I think. Um, she's the, ultimately she's the class run of the field, but, um, her trials coming in have been awesome. Um, it looks like she had a few flat runs, uh, at Caulfield, uh, where she ventured, uh, she had a terrible run there and then came across to Launceston and got knocked off by reward achiever. Who's gone on and won a few races since, including a couple of features. So, um, she got put away, obviously hasn't run in 180 days, but, um, yeah, her th- three trials leading in have been enormous. Miss Tuppence, no slouch. She knocked off Emily, who's come out and run second in the Labrooks uh, carpet, char- uh, carpet charge last week at yep. Devonport. Um, and then she had a nice quiet one in behind Julius, who's a bit of a speedy squib. Um, and I just think with McCool going on first up, last prep as well, Similar sort of race. Um, obviously, it was a smaller field last last prep, but came in off the trials and just went whack first up and winning by three and a half lengths in open open company, and then and then they decided to take her over to Melbourne. Um, I just think she's got stacks of ability, and she sort of finds a really nice spot in run, probably one off the fence or um, just in behind the speed. I think Donna's Day and Fairy Magic are the likely leaders, and then uh, Queenborough Flyer who is trained by Siggy Carr, will also drive forward. Um, Emily and Take the Sit are probably sitting in behind them, and I think those two get the run of the race and are probably the best horses in the race. Um, I had them marked 
Emily, probably around the price that um, she's opened, but take the sit at $4. I just think um, just ticks so many boxes. McCall going straight on is a massive play for this camp as well. Um, so, yeah, pretty much don't want to entertain any other runner and complicate it too much. Um, the horses down the bottom of the page of Urbano, Donna's Day and Zaid's stories are all from the Brunton camp and have been kept pretty safe on those opening prices. I can't get them that short, but I just think being a home track, um, big day, you, you kind of have to. Donna's Day has been really good thus far, gets the blinkers on first time, I think, um, here. So if she can settle uh, up on speed, could give a nice kick and give you a, a sight for your money. But I just think take the sits, the one that's going to be sitting on their back and just pretty much be too good for them. Okay. All right, that is half the card done and dusted. Uh, you'll be sending bets for your service, maps of Tassie, uh, both for early prices. As you said, MBLs go up as soon as markets are up, um, which is very nice. It's almost a luxury to have, although the MBLs aren't quite as juicy in the terms of uh, what you can bet to win. Um, it is nice being able to get on as soon as the markets go up. So uh, we'll be looking for your early players with maps of Tassie and then also any late updates on the day. Sounds good, Mac. Look forward to it. All right, beauty. Thanks, Higo. Uh, we may very well do this as we roll into some more feature races coming up in Tassie. Uh, it's been been excellent. It's been a little bit of an eye-opener. I haven't uh, heard of many of the, the jocks and the trainers, but um, as you said, the small pool of horses as it is in WA and Hong Kong, uh, it's something that I enjoy dipping my toe into. So we'll do more of this over the coming weeks, I'm sure. Sounds good, mate. Look forward to a big carnival. All right, beauty. Go well, punters. Uh, until next time.